0: I'm Laura Norton, and this is One Strange Thing, the show where we search the nation's news archives for stories that can't quite be explained. Strangers, it's officially the holiday season. And if you're anything like what Time Magazine forecast will be 100 odd million Americans this year, you're probably going to be taking to the skies to travel home and celebrate your familial tension. We mean togetherness. There's something admittedly special about the liminal space of an airport. This time of year, yes, it's excruciatingly crowded and yes, you forgot to empty your water bottle out before security, You always do forget, and now you're holding up the line. Nice job. But you're bathed in nostalgia too, and the comfort of knowing you'll be home for the holidays. Sure, the airport is nobody's favorite part of the journey, but it's our vessel to the good stuff. Your hometown airport greets you on your arrival in the same way it does for everyone, and the way it always has. And therein lies the comfort. Like here in Atlanta, we slip into the calm certainty that it will always take three hours to progress from our gate to baggage claim and that anyone that you've asked to pick you up outside will no longer be speaking to you after they've sat in a circle of gridlock traffic. Really, there's nothing that beats coming home, is there? Unless, that is, you fly into or out of Denver International Airport. With apologies to Colorado, we must advise that comfort is not what you'll be greeted with there unless a giant demonic horse gives you the warm and fuzzies. If that's the case, well, we guess you should book a ticket because Denver has got you covered. There's a thing you need to know about Denver. Beyond the mile-high designation and it's about that airport. We'd be remiss if we didn't point out that the Denver International Airport is absolutely steeped in very, very weird rumors. Now, that's not necessarily our focus today, and it could frankly constitute an entire episode all on its own, so we'll give you the Cliff Notes version. The New Zealand Herald put it nicely in 2018, Quote, inside the terminal, a gargoyle pops out of a suitcase at baggage claim, and a mysterious plaque states that the airport was paid for by the, uh, New World Airport Commission, which doesn't exist. And the strange post-apocalyptic murals within the airport, which have since been removed, certainly didn't help. Many, including the Telegraph, point out that the physical runways at DIA are arranged in a shape best described as swastika-esque, which is not the case at any other airport, just FYI. And we were relieved to learn that. But what's going on in Denver? And the Herald also nods to a long-running conspiracy that the Denver International Airport is hiding something underneath its enormous footprint. The airport is 53 square miles twice the size of Manhattan, and it cost $2 billion more than it was supposed to. Denver already had an airport when the DIA project was announced, so why would this giant creepy airport need to exist, if not to, say, hide an Illuminati bunker? Of course, there are plenty of reasons a metropolitan hub would want a state-of-the-art airport But the vibe is understandably weird, and a little scary if you're a conspiratorial type. But we're here to drill in on one particularly weird facet of the DIA experience. One that technically happens before you even set foot in the airport. If you're familiar with Denver, or the surrealist art corner of the internet, a Venn diagram that we're increasingly convinced is a circle, then you know where we're going. And for the rest of you, we're thrilled to make the introduction. Are you ready? Okay. World Meet Blucifer. Officially titled The Mustang, Blucifer is the, um, loving nickname crafted by fans of this giant, arresting sculpture. Whether you're heading to the east or west terminal of Denver International, by train or by car or by bus, you'll see it. In fact, you don't have much of a choice. Blucifer isn't big on politeness, as you'll come to find out. It's a larger-than-life, shiny blue horse, reared back on its hind legs. Its mane stands straight up in spikes. The mouth is open mid-whinny, teeth bared, and the face is defined with dark striations of muscle. Its eyes are glowing, and they are bright red. Blucifer is 32 feet tall. Per the city of Denver, that is roughly the same length as a school bus. City documents put the Mustang at a weight of 9,000 pounds and a cost of about $600,000 in early 90s money. Today, that would be about $1.3 million of pure blue horsitude. The Fort Collins, Coloradon would later note that Blucifer's placement might have been part of the problem. You can't walk up to Blucifer. There were initially grand ideas for a park area off the airport road with the Mustang standing there, but those plans were shelved after 9-11. So when you see Blucifer in person, it's in passing. You're headed down the road to your terminal, quite possibly in stop-and-go traffic. It's either a rapidly approaching flash of blue and red, or you have a chance to really stare at Blucifer while worrying about whether you're going to miss your flight. And neither scenario seems to inspire much comfort. Almost immediately after its installation, people had questions about the Mustang. The Daily Sentinel reported in 2009 that a local real estate agent named Rachel Halton was spearheading a movement, where else in 2009 than on Facebook. There, she created a group called DIA's Hideous Blue Mustang Has Got To Go, a group whose purpose she summarized to the Daily Sentinel as asking, what exactly was the deal with that horse? Denver suburbanite Christy Carlson told the Daily Sentinel, It's not an image you want in your head as you're about to board a plane. It just cracked me up the first time I saw it. My daughter asked me, Is that the devil's horse? And Adam Horst of Aurora said to the Colorado Public Radio, The Mustang is very Colorado. And then it takes a hard left turn with the red eyes and the uh, blue. Put mildly, strangers, Blucifer is polarizing. But hey, what public art isn't? Hardly worth a satanic nickname, if you ask us. (laughs) Or it would hardly be worth a satanic nickname. Except for one strange thing. Dear strangers, it will come as no surprise to some of you to learn that Blucifer is, allegedly, cursed. And there's a compelling argument to be made. It certainly had a troubled journey to come to fruition and we couldn't have picked a stranger home for a stranger horse if we'd tried. To start, there's a series of legal snafus that made the sculptor's creation almost a decade late. The city commissioned the work in 1992 for installation in 1996, but the date came and went without a giant horse to be seen. Rocky Mountain News reported that the city of Denver had been locked in ongoing negotiations with Blucifer's sculptor about the particulars. According to Denver City Page, this mostly had to do with missed deadlines and outstanding payments. And initially, it wasn't even supposed to be a sculpture of a giant horse. According to the Denver Post, Part of the logistical snarl had been that the proposal was initially for a sculpture of a buffalo stampede. But that was deemed inappropriate because buffalo had been hunted nearly to extinction in the West. So the artist, a horse lover, proposed something different. And it stuck. Per Colorado Public Radio, it was technically a challenging project. Luis Jimenez, the sculptor, was no stranger to enormous sculptures, but this one was the largest he'd ever attempted and it had to withstand outdoor conditions. And there's no easy way to paint a giant horse, particularly not when, per CPR, Luis's painting incorporated flake, the glitter used on cars, as well as a complicated airbrushing process of no less than six colors at any given spot on the sculpture. As Dale Conkright, a colleague and friend of Louise, told CPR, the engineering of the Mustang process was challenging, to the point that Louise said jokingly, you know, this work is going to kill me. Strangers, the horrible, tragic thing about that statement is that Louise was right. In 2006, Louise was 65, and he'd become a celebrated artist. A wire obituary in the Fort Pierce Tribune wrote that his, quote, massive fiberglass objects depicting Hispanic and Native American dancers, cowboys and barrio workers with contorted faces and neon colored spray painted clothing made him a controversial and easily recognized international figure in the art world. The obituary goes on to say, that Louise had died in an accident at his studio. He'd been working on a 32-foot-high sculpture that had been in development for more than a decade, when a piece of that sculpture came loose and crushed him against a steel support. We'll give you one guess what that sculpture was. Two years later, the Daily Sentinel reported that lucifer which they referred to as the Mustang sculpture, was installed and dedicated. A number of Luis's family members were there for the ceremony, including his daughter Elisa. She told the Daily Sentinel, what it meant to our father is that it was a beautiful, amazing piece of sculpture that he was going to work on and that he was going to finish and complete like all the other amazing works that he'd done in his lifetime. For us, it's something different. When you look at the horse, you should think about the man who sacrificed his life to make it. It was a story that was attracting attention. And the horse was attracting attention, too. From those who hated it, and the fact that someone had died making it, and from those who loved it. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. The New York Times ran a piece in 2009 headlined, Behold Big Blue Horse. Many in Denver say, Nay. We're surprised how long that pun took to show up in this story, if we're being totally honest. The Times reported that a poetry slam was in the works so that Denverites could deliver horse themed haikus, of which, at press time, roughly 250 had been written. One posted on Facebook read as follows, Anxiously I Fly, Apocalyptic Hell Beast, Fails to Soothe My Nerves. And another, Big Blue Horse Beckons, Fiery Red Eyes Glowering, The Goodbye One Horse Town. The intrepid Times reporter on this story made one other important observation airport administrators and art experts were very adamant that Blucifer wasn't going anywhere. And that turned out to be true, though not particularly because the people love the sculpture. Per the Daily Sentinel, Denver City regulations require public art installations to remain where they are for at least five years after installation. The thought being that the public will probably balk at anything at first, but they'll warm up to it as time goes on. If an exception were to be made, we imagined structural damage would be an easy scapegoat or scapehorse. Anyway, in May of 2010, the Daily Sentinel reported that Blucifer's fiberglass body was beginning to show wear earlier than expected and some visible cracks had formed. But rather than shrug and take the easy way out of Oh no, guess the giant scary horse can't handle it. The airport repaired those cracks with caulk and paint, and Blucifer lived on to winning another day. So, strangers, do you remember the bizarre array of rumors about Denver International Airport that we mentioned at the top of the episode? Most of those existed before Blucifer, but boy, he did not help. And DIA, to its credit, has not only kept Blucifer alive and well in the nightmares of Denver-area children, but, especially recently, the airport has leaned into all manner of conspiratorial rumors. In 2016, they brought a journalist from a local Fox affiliate below DIA's surface, ostensibly to prove that it was all infrastructure and no Illuminati. But airport spokesman Heath Montgomery didn't exactly leave a squeaky-clean-nothing-to-see-here kind of impression. For one, the journalist noticed a sketch of an alien on one of the walls down there, and he asked about it. Heath Montgomery replied, We don't know where the alien sketch came from. It's been here for years. And walking the journalist through maintenance and storage areas, Heath added, there's actually another subtunnel system that goes under here. I mean, I know this is going to sound sketchy, but we actually can't go down there for uh, security reasons. And in 2019, a massive renovation project led the airport to really get its tinfoil hat on. Art displayed on construction walls nodded to all the airport's major conspiracies, with Blucifer making several appearances. According to The Herald... One such construction wall read construction or cover-up, and other promised upgrades were on the way, including but not limited to a secret portal to the underworld, streamlined security, new Illuminati headquarters, a remodeling of the Lizard People layer, and another misunderstood mural. As one of the ad agency types responsible for the signage told Adweek, instead of saying pardon our dust, it's all about the lizard people. And as people who are all about the lizard people ourselves, we can't help but love it. Perhaps, strangers, there is a happy ending to this story, or a sad one, depending on how you feel about Blucifer. He's very much still standing outside DIA, and against all odds, Denver seems to have fallen in love with him. Remember Rachel Holton, the realtor turned anti blucifer Facebook moderator? By the end of 2009, she'd come around. Sort of. She told the New York Times, In the process of being personally attacked through email, and through learning more about the piece... I've shifted gears from, I don't think it's appropriate, to, let's try and understand it. And long after the five-year deadline to humor new public art, the airport has made no plans to remove the horse. In a 2019 interview with Colorado Public Radio, airport spokesperson Stacy Stegman said, Lucifer has survived extreme weather and graffiti and constant calls for the airport to do silly things like, quote, paint him orange like the Broncos and stop scaring children. But Stacy assumed that there would be an absolute uproar if anything were to happen to Blucifer now. She said, we'll chain ourselves to the Mustang. He's not going anywhere. And really, that's the thing about public art. It exists for the sole purpose of being observed, and by observing it, we all participate. Whether you love it or hate it or just get a weird vibe, if you had a response to the art, it means the art won. And in that sense, as far as we're concerned, Blucifer stays winning. We hope you'll join us next time for another real-life story from the fine print of America's local papers, from the lives of regular people, just like you and me, except for one strange thing. Oh, and strangers, One Strange Thing is an independently produced podcast. To support the show and hear more of the entirely true and enticingly peculiar, join us over on Patreon. There, you'll get ad-free early releases of our regular episodes, full-length bonus episodes, blogs, and monthly live streams, all for $5 a month. We hope you'll check it out. There's a link in the show notes.